0: iyo.com You're listening to the Wavebreak podcast, the show where I interview the people behind the fastest growing e-commerce and direct to consumer brands. I'm your host Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO at Wavebreak. Wavebreak is the email and CRM agency for high growth D2C brands. With ad costs rising, we help brands maximize lifetime value by building and optimizing world-class email and SMS marketing programs. You can learn more about partnering with us at wavebreak.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Wavebreak Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO at Wavebreak. We are the email and CRM agency for some of the fastest-growing direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands. In 2022, you're going to need to maximize revenue from your existing traffic and customer base as much as possible. And the truth is, over 90% of brands are leaving money on the table that they don't even know they're leaving on the table in their email and SMS marketing strategy. We help brands unlock that through best-in-class execution of those channels. And if you wanna learn more about partnering with us and how we can help you in 2022 maximize e-commerce revenue, learn more at waybreak.com. That's waybreak.com. So on this episode of the Waybreak podcast, the marketing podcast for high growth, direct to consumer brands, I'm chatting with Sterling Jones, who's co-founder and CEO at JoJo's Chocolate. So we talk a lot about retail, and I think that's really interesting for this episode because retail, it's competitive. He's in the chocolate space. You have to be different. You have to communicate that, and you only have a limited amount of shelf space to do it. Uh, I think you can learn from, I think there's a lot to learn for digital brands. It's not easier necessarily on digital, but you could get away with not being clear with your differentiation and your positioning and all those things on digital. Now it's getting a lot more difficult and there's a lot of lessons that you can learn from Sterling and how he's able to scale JoJo's Chocolate, um, you know, understanding his customers and how they differentiate and how they do that. You can take those and apply it to your direct consumer e-commerce business. So without further ado, let's jump right into this episode. Sterling, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks. Hey, stoked to be here. Appreciate it, man.
0: Yeah, excited to, to chop it up today. So, for people who aren't familiar with JoJo's, obviously JoJo's chocolate—the name kind of gives it away—but uh, give us brief backstory and a little bit of an overview on the company.
1: You bet, absolutely. Um, well, a little bit about who we are and why we do what we do is JoJo's. My mom actually, so started in our home kitchen several years ago. She was uh, battling breast cancer actually, and really wanted to cut out as much sugar as possible, and that's why she wanted to create a delicious low sugar dark chocolate that helped satisfy her daily sugar craving. So from there um we went for it. She created this amazing dark chocolate snack more than you know she was the problem was she was looking for something that could satisfy a craving but a candy bar would have too much sugar, leave her feeling guilty. A protein bar didn't have enough chocolate that was satisfying enough, you know. And so She went for it in our kitchen and created this amazing dark chocolate. the original first recipe was almonds, pistachios, cranberries. And then the key differentiator was an added protein. And after several months of her snacking on it, I realized, man, she's not the only one trying to eat less sugar. Um, So it was a great snack for her while she battled cancer. She actually ended up uh, passing away in 2019 after battling for about seven years. And so we really – here, fill a mission responsibility to carry on her story. And, and, that story is one of optimism and love and faith and fight and passion. And she had that throughout her whole journey, even during the very, very hard times. And so here as a brand, you know, we are all about first and foremost, spreading love through a story of, of a woman who had great, great love, even during hard times. And we all go through our times and made something sweet out of something sour and second to that, we're on a mission to help reduce America's sugar intake by fifty percent. That's that's what we get up and get up every morning excited about. If we could provide more delicious dark chocolate snacks that help people satisfy sugar cravings with half the sugar, um, we'd all be able to eat less sugar. And so that's what we're all about. And um, kind of a little bit of where we are today. Obviously, the home kitchen was the first first year or so. We got on QVC, started selling on Amazon, on our own website. Then for us we realized hey people still prefer to buy chocolate in grocery stores so we went to retail. We got into Sprouts Farmers Market nationwide, got into Costco, um and then 2020 happened uh for all of us and so we pivoted a little bit and went back to focusing more on e-commerce and saw phenomenal growth, almost 10x our website in 2020 and into 2021. Um And then now for us, grocery stores are opening the doors back up, obviously. And so grocery and retail is becoming a bigger priority for us. So we still have a very strong Amazon presence, uh, website growth, uh, but we do both, you know, and and actually the majority of our revenue is in retail, but we're seeing continued growth on the website as well. So that brings us today, 3,000 doors nationwide, team of 15 of us, um, and just trying to sell as much delicious, healthy chocolate as we can.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. And that's a great story. And I love how you're keeping the legacy living on and the company is growing really fast. So, doing doing great on that front. Like, how are you what, what was that like cuz were you majority retail going into the pandemic?
1: We were. Yeah, we had we had scaled back our spend online. You know, we you know, with Costco being as big as it is with, you know, um Sprouts and with being able to get into retail, you know, it was definitely a big shift for us. But I also just recognized, you know, the retail buyers for each grocery store stopped taking meetings. Come April, I was like, okay, like we have to pivot and you know figure out how to sell chocolate online. And and frankly, selling chocolate online is not easy because you got to ship with ice styrofoam and keep it from melting. But we really leaned into it and realized learning who our customer was. How do we get the the biggest AOV and LTV, right? And leaning in there uh, really helped us be able to capitalize. You know, we saw some of our own audience just buying online, obviously, instead of going to the store. But we also captured a new, much larger audience during that time of people being more open to trying things online, right? And so for us, um, we just put all of our attention there, maintained retail, but really leaned into growing e-commerce.
0: Got it. And then how did you how did you start out the brand? Like were you was it first like, hey, let's get into retail? Like do you have a background in retail? So you already have those connections set up or was it first e commerce, then retail, or how how did that that work exactly?
1: That's a great question. I wish I had some background in retail. We were we were (laughs) starting Starting from zero, I feel like we were starting from negative because I had no relationships. Oh yeah, <laughs> no. honestly, it's probably
0: more like negative one, and then you got to get to zero, and yeah. yeah, go from there.
1: Exactly, that's what it felt like, at least. No, we we started typical, right? Like s- farmers markets, selling at yoga studios, CrossFit gyms, sleeping in my car in San Francisco, selling to every yoga studio I could, just trying to f- figure out who would buy it. You know, we felt like. We knew our consumer was at Yoga Studios, but they don't have really a big retail front. So we learned pretty quickly it wasn't like a very viable <laughs> selling. Um, you know, they could buy one case and that was it, right? So uh, I was going to starve to death doing that. So that was where I learned, okay, let's just figure out how to get in retail. So tapped into obviously mentors and different people. And it was just a ton of cold emails, finding, finding the buyer of Sprouts on LinkedIn trying to reach out there or trying to reach out via email, you know, so it was a lot of cold emails. Um, we, we also tapped into some brokers, but the thing I learned quickly with brokers, you still need to be very involved. It's not just hand over your product and they go get you in cause they've got 25 to 50 other products they're selling. So you still need to be very involved. So a lot of learning curve there, you know, kind of got set back, Tried to hand things off to brokers that didn't really pan out took it back on to figure out how to just get in front of the buyers. You know, you've got to have a story. It's kind of like getting your first job, right? They're like, I need you to have experience. You're like, well, I need an opportunity to get experience. <laughs> right. The buyers are like, we need to, you need to show that it can sell. And I'm like, well, I need an opportunity to show it can sell. The good thing was honestly, the fact that we started on Amazon helped us with retail because I could say, got look, it. we got a thousand five-star reviews. People do love this. Just give me a chance to show that, you know, um, and obviously the biggest thing was just showing how we're not a me too product on shelf, right? Cause yes, now there are definitely better for you chocolates out there. I feel like in 2014, when we started, there wasn't, there was maybe one or two, there's definitely a lot more now. So we got to show how do we bring new consumers? How do we get them coming back more and more?
0: Got it. Yeah. That makes sense. I was going to ask if you had that initial, so you did have initial traction on Amazon before trying to approach most of the larger retailers.
1: We did. Yeah. We were, we were selling about a year on Amazon that allowed me to show, you know, at least show sales, at least show a bunch of customer reviews. You know, we had some sales on our website, mainly from influencers and from, you know, some events like that. And then we started local, you know, got into our local Whole Foods here, four stores, you know, I was delivering out of the back of my Prius to those stores, you know, um, And then, and then QVC, we actually were able to get on QVC. So that was at least, at least a, a logo I could put on the presentation. Like more
0: social proof.
1: Yeah. 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 So that was, you know, um, and then really it's a matter of getting them to just be willing to take a, take a chance and show how we're different, you know? And then were you like, okay. And then
0: you land like those first stores, were you nervous when it first went in there and like, oh, I really hope this moves or oh, did you know, like, we'll get there and we'll move it. Or what was that like initially? Well,
1: Speaking of starting from ground zero, I thought I thought all all that matters is getting in the store, right? That's people always said it to me. I didn't believe them, but that's half the battle, right? Because you go next time you go to a grocery store, look how many chocolates there are, right? Like yeah. how in the world do we get somebody to grab ours? Was the next marketing, which is is very different marketing than D 2 C marketing, right? Yeah, like you, can't, you can't run an ad to a person. Thirty-five and forty, you know, like they're right. in the store. So how do you interrupt them?
0: And it's all in the same section, and everything's next to each other. So it's like <laughs> it's it's not even like Amazon, where there's some differentiation with reviews. It's literally like here's all the products.
1: Yep, and and most people don't spend. I mean, I'm I'm the exception. I, I scan everything. Oh, most, same
0: here. Well, I'm looking on the back of the label. I'm like, who really owns
1: this? And then I'm <laughs> like,
0: oh, it's actually real D2C. Or like, oh, you know, this is just another one of Target's latest companies or whatever.
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah. But most most people got a kid pulling on their leg, right? <laughs> right? As fast as possible. At least our consumer does. And so yeah, learning. I mean, I well, I'll tell you one thing. Fortunately, we got into four Whole Foods first, right? With our product. Because again, go back, we were selling on Amazon, right? And we would put in a case. So the barcode on the product didn't matter, right? Because we put the individual bars in a box. And so the box had the barcode, but the barcode on the bar was so small that once we got into these local Whole Foods, they couldn't scan it through the register. So
0: so you're on the (laughs) shelf and And then then someone's like, hey, I want to buy this. And then the Whole Foods person scanning it can't scan it.
1: And I went in like after like (laughs) Yeah, so I go in and I make sure, like, I go through the acting like I'm a customer, right? And and the lady's like, "Man, who made this product? I can't scan it." She's a little older. She like pulls out her reading glasses and has to type in the number, right? Uh To like, and I'm like, "Gosh, what a terrible company! I can't believe, you know." And I'm
0: like, (laughs) "Your face is on the back." No, I'm just kidding.
1: Meanwhile, luckily, yeah. So, anyways, luckily we figured that out right before we got into 300 Sprouts. So we hurried and quickly reprinted the packaging, right? And you like sneak in
0: overnight and just like change the boxes in the store so no one knows.
1: Yeah, it was, oh man. So that was a benefit of getting into a few first, you know. Um, But yeah, going to Sprouts Nationwide, I mean, it was definitely like, man, you know, we tried to do demos, but we can't reach 300 stores, right? We can reach only a a few. So we would demo in those stores, you know, we learned we run promotions as well. That's one of the big levers obviously is having, you know, quarterly promotions on shelf, um, tried to figure out what we could do with sprouts, emails, or digital or Instagram, you know, so now we've definitely learned a lot, um, growing from those 300 stores to a hundred Costco's to 1500 Walmarts to, you know, learning. There's a lot, there is more we can do in store, you know, but, um, a lot of it is packaging. Frankly, a lot of it has to do with making sure your packaging pops. You know, that was other thing. We started on e-commerce. And so our packaging looks great online, right? Like you can do a great PDF and brighten it up. It's a way different when you get on shelf and it just, you know, we were brown and the packaging just blended into the shelf, right? Mm-hmm. So we changed that. We went from like that light craft to brightening it up. So it definitely was some learning curve from Amazon website to, to retail for sure.
0: Yeah. And when, when did you figure that out? Like, was it in those first few stores when the barcode was messed up that you also realized it blended in? So before you got into Sprouts, you changed it or was that later on?
1: I wish it was later on. We were probably in Sprouts for a good year, you know, and it was just, I kept going into the shelf and being like, man, it gets lost, you know? And so it was, it was a good year and, and changing packaging takes too long. So you know we did we went through a whole redesign rebrand and frankly it was right when my mom passed away as well and we said how do we it's bring tough. her to life you know how do we bring her to the front of the packaging so we uh, we did that we rebranded and and it really it worked much much better
0: yeah that's great like what were some of the lessons in learning in the new branding or like from from the old
1: to the new um great question we used to have like a window on the front that we wanted to show the product right but you know, and I thought it was cool because we were different. Nobody in chocolate shows it in the front of it, you know, but that's because like the appetite appeal is not there, you know, the same way it is with images and that. So we actually switched to images of the product. They were real images, but that way, like it always looked good. Right. Because, you know, the product still tastes great if it gets scuffed up, you know, but if you're looking at it, you can see it and it's scuffed up, like you're going to be like, oh, that doesn't look as good, but it still tastes great. So. We put images of the product on the front. Um, We had to have a better color block. So, you know, the biggest thing about retail is getting, you know, getting more than one skew on shelf so you can kind of have the billboard effect, right, where it brings people into your brand. You get two, three, four skews and having a good color block across them. So it brings people in was a big thing where before the only change between our original and our peanut butter and our Hawaiian was the name. Was changed from green, orange, and blue, but there wasn't a big like on packaging something that easily differentiated the color, the flavors. So that was some great learnings. Um, We've been doing it, we're doing it again right now because what we learned, we went with kind of cute names for our product original, raspberry dream, ghost Hawaiian, peanut butter delight. For us, at least for food, people just want to know what's in the product, right? Like that's why you buy food. And so we needed to get more clear. And in three seconds, people need to know it's pistachios, almonds, cranberries, right? People need to know it's coconut, macadamia, nuts, and sea salt. So we're doing it again, actually, and learning more, you know, that we got to be more clear. You only got three seconds. You don't, you can't on an ad, right? In an e-commerce, you can say, this is our Hawaiian macadamia, nuts, coconut, and easily show that in images and that. So uh, yeah, learning learning quickly. We got to be more direct and, and simple.
0: More like the uh, Lara bar packaging. Like, it's just like the four ingredients. And The more the more I hear you talk, I'm like, wow, their packaging is actually pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, I guess they're like the granola, granola bar version.
1: Yeah, or RX bar did it well, you know? Oh yeah, they killed it, yeah.
0: I remember so the first time seeing those in store, I'm like, two egg
1: yolk. I was like, so,
0: <laughs> so I'm like, is this good? Yeah,
1: yeah, I know. Yeah, and I mean, we're not going as, you know, uh, extreme simple as that. But yeah. you know, to a point where it's just easily, you can see a uh, kinds, kinds, probably the better example, you know, right. still looks really delicious, but they don't have cute names. They just say cranberry, dark chocolate, and almond. Right. So
0: yeah. Yeah. And then speaking of like differentiation also, like what are some, what are some other ways? Cause you, like you said, you only have three seconds. You only have like this small package, obviously like colors and being able to stand out and create that billboard effect is important, but also, you know, now as you have more competition, like Hershey's is buying lilies and like doing all these different things. Like, what is that, um, what is, what does that
1: look like for, how do you differentiate on the shelf? It's a great point. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more people coming in and obviously with Lily's getting purchased, that means there's more money behind it now, right? They can do bigger displays and things. So I think we we actually were just asked this by our our target broker, finding what's different, right? So for us, one of the biggest things is we have added protein into our chocolate, right? So doing a better job at calling that out quickly on the packaging, where right now there actually isn't a call out about added plant-based protein, So making that louder, you know, the other thing as well is the low sugar. So making it very apparent right on front. The big thing for us is it's these flavor profiles we have. It's added protein and low sugar. So those three things, when somebody sees our packaging, they need to quickly see that and quickly identify that.
0: Yeah, that's great. And it sounds like the overall theme is like, well, one, you are different. I think like, especially in the e-commerce space, because most people who listen to this are in e-commerce and they maybe have three to five direct competitors who are very, very similar. It's not like, you know, you don't, they don't have that added differentiation. And then also like the clarity, like so many people are just the me too, especially in digital. It's like, everybody's kind of the same and everybody will copy each other. Um, And then they don't actually improve themselves. They just like look at what everybody else is doing. I think that's what's really cool about the way you look at it because you're in this competitive marketplace. You only have so much time. You're different. You're clear about it. And then you're also always making it better. I don't think people on the digital side really do that enough. Like the algorithms were firing for so long. They were just like, just let it rip they find your people for you and then you just kind of sit back and relax but i know that's something that you you focus on a lot you said it before with like the yogi angle like going into yoga studios and really understanding the customer like tell me about that because i know that's a big part of uh your success and like how you're able to continue to grow in such a competitive market is really understanding your consumer And now a quick break for a quick word from our sponsor, Okendo. Okendo is the new standard in customer reviews for high-growth Shopify brands. We use them with our clients, and they work with over 4,000 of the fastest-growing Shopify retailers like Skims, Nomad, and Buck Mason to help them leverage their most powerful asset, their customers. Okendo gives brands all the tools they need to capture and showcase customer-generated content like product reviews and ratings, photos and videos, and Q&A. Plus, they have an awesome integration with Klaviyo that makes it easy to do cool stuff like send review request emails and target shoppers based on review content. And now that it's that time of year again, when Black Friday and Cyber Monday are top of mind, Okendo is offering a 90-day free trial to help e-commerce brands ramp holiday conversion without having to worry about increased subscription costs. If you sign up before October 31st, you pay nothing until 2022. It's really a no-brainer to me, and don't worry, you won't be forced into any expensive annual contracts after your trial is up. They offer super affordable monthly subscriptions starting at $29. So you can make the most out of this holiday season with a little help from Okendo. Visit okendo.io and start your free trial today. That's okendo.io. Thanks, Okendo, for sponsoring the show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, understanding the consumer is definitely a huge, huge piece to this. Um, It's been hard for us because actually when I started, I was like, man, everybody likes chocolate, right? Who isn't this? Right. And that's so hard. And one of my least favorite quotes, because it's true is right. You can't be, what is it? You can't be everything. You can't be something for everybody, but you can be everything for somebody. And I've heard that from day one and I just didn't want to believe it. But now I believe it because if we try to go too broad, I'm like, yeah, everybody likes chocolate, right? But, and then they, there's still people today that go into the grocery store and prefer to buy a Reese's and that's fine. That's what they're going to buy. They're not going to buy a low sugar chocolate today. They're not looking for snacking bite-sized chocolate. They're looking for a big candy bar, Hershey's, and they just want it and go. So we have dove into it a lot more. And the nice thing about having a, a great e-commerce pref, uh, presence, we can learn more about our consumer than we can in store, right? You can in store, but it's super expensive. So we've done a lot of research on who our customer is and learned, okay, our customer is definitely skews older. We're not a millennial, right? We're on the higher, you know, 35 at the youngest, right? But definitely skew much more like 45 and older, which frankly, that was my mom. You know, she Mm was, she was fifty three when she started this, right? And we've learned also that 50-year-old isn't the same 50-year-old 10, 15 years ago where we feel like th- they're keeping up, right? They're, they're on Instagram still. They've got younger kids. Like the 50s today is much younger than it used to be, right? They're, they're definitely online. They're doing all those things. So we've learned, okay, they definitely are health conscious. They're aware of what they're putting in their body. They do care that there's added protein. You know, they, they definitely follow different diets gluten-free paleo keto and at the end of the day we are focused on women and skewing older you know so that's definitely been a huge it also helps us determine what retailers to go in the hardest thing for me is saying no to opportunities but Mm. it's also one of the most important things you know right now we're not going into convenience channel because frankly our consumer isn't there so we're gonna get on shelf and then the guy walking in there would rather buy a protein bar that he doesn't care if there's a bunch of sugar because it's got protein. Right. So anyways, we're, we're definitely just trying to get more targeted on, on our retailer approach as well as then how, now how do we talk to them? Cause we know who they are.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And that really excites me. I think so many of these, like this, like next generation of brands, is so focused on like the millennial. And even now you see them going even lower. Like they want to get into that Gen Z consumer and everybody at the top end is being forgot about. Um, or they you know, they don't realize who their real customer is. And then they're like trying to copy the next coolest like direct to consumer brand instead of like really understanding the customer and doubling down on that. It sounds so, so simple. It's like, yeah, we just really know our customer. And like, we're going to go in the stores they shop at, not... Not a 7-Eleven because they're not in a 7-Eleven. Like if we were an energy drink brand for, you know, 20 and 30 somethings, we would be in every 7-Eleven tomorrow. But uh, yeah, they just don't shop there. Um, I think that's a great point. And people also like they'll fast forward and be like, man, like we're in 7-Eleven. Why aren't we selling? It's so hard. It's like, well, if you just didn't go in there, you wouldn't have any of these problems either. So that's really big and like smart and like um, wise move to say say no wow. to those opportunities, which is so, so hard cool. too.
1: I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not as smart as it sounds because we we did that. We learned the hard you way. We tested it.
0: Well, that's the way to do it. You either learn the hard way or, um, I mean, really, that's the only way to do it. Like the only people who don't do that are the people who've learned it. <laughs> yeah. you got to exactly. chase it, so, especially when you yeah. launch from nothing. You got to you gotta learn one way or the other because you see the dollar signs. It's like, oh, we got to do this.
1: You got to try it. Yep. Yep. But fortunately, we learned now and we're we're making the pivots now. To make sure we don't do those same mistakes again, but yeah, I think for any any starting company, the hardest thing is to say no to opportunities, um, yeah. and I'm not good at that. That's why I'm talking about it because I'm trying to be better at it.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's the thing is it's such a powerful growth lever that you don't even have to be the greatest at it. If you just like a little bit lean into it a little bit more here and there, um, because it's so high leverage. Like if you just speak to those people and then they come, because normally you're speaking to everyone, like you said, it's um, a powerful thing and I think a lot of brands got really lucky with um, you know, just the algorithms and acquiring their customers and not understanding them enough that now there's some large companies in the nine-figure revenue range who really don't know who their ideal customer even is. And, and that's a great way to be ahead, is like to actually understand it. And so when you think about understanding that customer, like um, you know, like what's what does the growth plan look like? Like where are those consumers spending their time? Where do you see them spending their time in the next 12 to 24 months? Like, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, that's something we're diving into right now. Uh, our big, What we say is like, where do they hang out, right? Where, right? where do they hang out? And fortunately, I mean, they hang out where we're trying to be, right? A little bit premium grocery stores. So we need to capture them there. Also like a little bit of a different pivot is, I mean, now we are, if we work with influencers, we know and make sure that the people that follow them are within our age group and within our depth, like our hmm. consumers. Right. Because before we did a, we've done a lot of influencer work in the past and, and frankly I'm a little skewed because like we haven't seen great results from it. But at the end of the day that's because we were going after people that didn't have our consumer as their followers. Right. Where I, frankly, I was listening to um, I should remember his name and I'm sure everybody on here knows his name, but, um, Jim shark, whoever started Jim shark. Um, oh, yeah. Listened, yeah. He was talking and he talked about how like they didn't talk to anybody that was outside of 18 to 24 or something like that. Right. And I just realized that like, that's what we needed to discover. Like he would use influencers that were older, you know, right. but their audience was 18 to 24 year olds. And so that's right. the same thing for us is like the influencer doesn't necessarily have to be our consumer. They just need to, their followers need to be. And so that's something that we're, When we work with influencers and things like our partners, we just make sure that their followers and their audience is our consumer. Um, And so that's one thing we're figuring out. So who are those influencers who have the same demographic? Also like trying, frankly, like old school, we're going to try direct mail for retail. You know, I know that sounds super old school and, but it's like everybody still opens mail and we can target it. We can geo target it, you know? Um, And we're going to try that because We know where they live and and if they're around our grocery stores. And then, you know, press and magazines that have that consumer that we're looking for. So for us, it's a matter of getting more creative and figuring out, okay, where do these people hang out? What are they reading? What are they looking at? They still are on Instagram, Facebook. We just need to make sure we're targeting that and not going so broad.
0: Right. And then how do you like verify or like double check the audience of um, like, how do you know if somebody's in that audience? Are you using like a tool for that or like you do like yeah. you look into the audience, like click some comments or what's that look like?
1: That's a good call. Uh, we do use a platform we just started with uh, called Aspire. Um, they're, oh, yeah. We're using them to when we go find new influencers because then we can put in who the demographic we want when we go find and then and then a lot of it is just organically cer like looking at at right and then right. you know if we work with bigger influencers we obviously ask for their media kid and and discover like hey show, show us who your demographic is right but and then they send um, over the fancy decks they're getting good like they're yeah. becoming
0: like <laughs> their own brands it's like yeah. wow this deck is better than some of the ones we haven't asked
1: <laughs> yeah definitely definitely so yeah i think it's a matter of being be, trying to get as as focused as we can, which is super hard, I think. And then
0: do you have the same customer online too? Like back when, you know, last year, the Facebook algorithm was still cranking compared to how it is now. Like when you ran up e-commerce almost 10X last year, w- were you attracting the same audience or did you also find different customers online? Or what was that like?
1: Yeah, we, like you said, when the algorithm was work, we uh, we, we would put it targeted. We'd also allow, you know, Facebook to do it. And we just always saw they they would spend our money on that age group of 40 and older. Oh, wow. Um, so we, we started attracting a little bit younger. But what, what I learned as well, once I dove into LTV, our best LTV consumers are definitely 45 and older. Like mm. that's also where I was like, yeah, we can convert younger people, but they don't spend as much online as these consumers that are women, 40 and 45 and older that are spending right. literally three times the amount yeah,
0: thirty is spending. It becomes that weekly bag that they like sneak in the cart. They're like, "This one's for me." Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they hide it, and then their husbands find it, and they eat it all. And so they got to buy more. So it it's two out. bags a week. Yeah, that's great. Um,
0: no, that's awesome. Yeah, and then just in terms of um growth and like rest of rest of the year, like what does that look like? Do you do big Black Friday Cyber Monday? as this style of brand or is it more like same old, same old, gearing up for twenty twenty two? No,
1: we definitely go big in November. Um, And this year we had seasonal items. So we had a great pumpkin spice product right at the beginning uh, of September. So that was a big hit for us. We did another peppermint launch beginning November. That was actually our biggest day ever. Um, And then now we do, we do a couple things through November. We do, you know, a little pre Black Friday sale, go big on that. That's more for just our consumers, you know, giving them a little bit of an advantage and then, we go pretty big on Black Friday and Cyber Monday because I look at it as also like an opportunity to be a part of people's holidays, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want JoJo's bag on Thanksgiving table, right? So we try to go bigger right. before Thanksgiving. That way, we look at it as much in marketing as as sales of okay, now they're going to have friends and neighbors over, and JoJo's is a part of the table. And then Black Friday and Cyber Monday, it's like let's get a part of people stocking stuffers. You know, a lot of time right. it's them buying for themselves, anyways but they may be giving out as gifts. So we go pretty big uh, for November and and halfway through December. Nice thing for us is we can come back pretty heavy um, to uh, in, in January for new year's, less sugar, new year's resolutions. So. Nice. Yeah, Yeah, that's
0: great. Um, And I love the way you think about that. And it's great too, because like the more product people buy, like the more addicted they're going to get to it because at the end of the day, it is chocolate, and chocolate's <laughs> amazing. Um, that's great. Yeah, and we're starting to run out of time here, but um, yeah, as we wrap up, I mean, I think this was this was really fun to chat about. You know, standing out in a crowded marketplace, all the learnings that you've learned from you know not having any experience in retail, getting into retail, the barcode story. I think that's that's amazing. Like you can look back and laugh now, but at the time, I I can like feel the feeling of like the heart sinking. Like oh, oh no, no oh, man, but. Man. Uh,
1: um, Yeah. I'll layer one more fun one on there. Speaking of learning packaging and, you know, there's definitely some learnings from Amazon to retail. We got into Costco and we had an order coming in and it was arriving on like Friday. We were making product on Tuesday and I saw the packaging, the PDF come through as like it's being shipped to us. And we forgot the servings per container on the bag. And so we got 15,000 bags on Thursday we had to hand stamp them. Like I'm talking this mini, mini stamp with the number 14. And we hand stamped 15,000 bags to make sure that the numbers per, per container was on there. And man, uh, it was, uh, there was a part of me was like, will Costco notice? I'm like, I cannot even risk that because if yeah. Costco saw that, they just pull all the bags off. So there's some good learnings when you switch from Amazon and website to retail, make sure you're compliant. <laughs> How did you even find the stamp? Like, oh man, I went to this random stamp shop here downtown and was like, can you make me this small little number 14? And I mean, the, the hard thing was, it wasn't like you could just stamp quickly, like just keep the bags roll. You had to like get it in this quarter of an inch by quarter of an inch area, right? Yeah. Make sure it was in the right spot. And so, man, it was, it was. How long, long did
0: weekend. that take? 15,000. There's
1: three of us and we did it all weekend, you know? Um, wow. So that, I mean, like all day. So it was pretty fun.
0: That's amazing. I know you can look back and laugh now, but at the time, you know, at the same time though, it's like, that's when the adrenaline's going. It's like the good <laughs> adrenaline. And it's like, you're just like, oh, you gotta like the, it's, it's, on. it's like the holiday season, right? Like the the clock is on and it, it's, it's ticking down and you have to like score as many points as possible before it hits zero. Yeah. Um, But it's fun to laugh about now. That's great. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a great spot to end. But um, you know, I guess like final question, like, Think, think about somebody, you know, maybe they're still a little bit, maybe they're in that stage where they're stamping on those 15,000 bags. They got that order from Costco. They're stamping it on, um, you know, a, a year or two behind you. Like, what would you like words of advice that you'd end on for that person?
1: Great, great question. Um, I would say something I'd say recently that's happened is it's, it's a very tough battle to be patient and persistent at the same time. Um, so the way I think you do that is not comparing yourself to where other people are in their journey. You know, it's super hard for me not to do that, but being patient, persistent at the same time. So be patient, understanding that if you're doing everything you can, like you're contacting as many people as you can, you're putting in the time, you're working, be patient that it will come. Because if you're not, you get desperate and you do you do desperate things, right? And you you kind of, you overextend and you hire before the revenue is there. Because like, if I just had more, right. You bring in people that you don't, that it's too early for, or you go get capital before it's too early. I'm all, I'm all for like going in capital and raising money, you know, when you, when you need it and at times, right. But I think being patient and persistent um, as best you can and just recognizing like you're, it's coming. Um, keep pushing hard, keep, keep believing, um, doing all those things. But uh still recognize like everything takes time. Every overnight success is a, is uh, a lot of years in the making. So,
0: yeah, I know. And then when you do see, yeah, that's right advice. It really is a marathon, not a sprint. And it's so easy to compare yourself to people. But then when you look at the actual story of the people who you think are so much faster than you, it's like, they've done it two times before. So it's like, (laughs) they kind of should be twice as fast or you don't know like what leg up
1: they had or like, you know, um, yeah, and then like I would say it, on that everybody has and lead into your leg up, whatever that is. You know, I think we all do have some type of you know different advantage in some way. Find that, lead into that. You know, but to your point, very true. We don't know where others started, and it doesn't matter. Um, it's where you are, and I just think keep keep chipping away. Um, follow your gut. Don't you know? Take advice from people that have been where you want to be, but also realize you, you know follow that gut on, on what you mm-hmm. feel is right for your brand.
0: It's true. I, I love to say like connect the dots, like that's what I got to do one thing to the next. And then if you try to like connect someone else's dot and it's on a different line, it's just going to like send you off course. and Then you have to go back to your dot anyway. No, that's great. So yeah, this has been, this has been awesome Sterling to, to learn the story, uh, all the lessons that you've learned along the way, really appreciate you coming on and sharing those. Um, I'm hungry. Where can we go to, where can we find Jojo's chocolate?
1: I love it. I love it. Uh, I mean, the best way is probably go to jojoschocolate.com. Uh, if you want to pick it up in a store, then go to our store locator there. Cause we're in Walmart's, we're in Sprouts, we're in some Costco's, you know, we're in, uh, Wegmans in the Northeast. So we're, we're spread out. Uh, so check out our store locator, um, or, or of course order online or Amazon.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Sterling. We'll get that linked up uh, down in the description and show notes. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Hey, it was great to be with you, man. Appreciate it. And thanks for uh, having me on. Have a great one. Happy to.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Waybreak Podcast.